Well, bless the Lord. Good morning. Blessings to y'all. Welcome everybody who's joining us online. Good morning, Balcony. Just want you to know we don't forget about you up there. Hey, uh, I've been looking forward to this uh, series starting uh, since before 2023 started because the pastors, pastors gathered uh, before that looking at what would be our, our fall series. You know, we always like to take this time of the year to make it a little more intensive and focused, uh, spiritual growth focused season. And uh, so we, we've been anticipating this for a while. Uh, I, I don't know if you had a chance to either read the email that you got about the different topics or if you saw the welcome in the bulletin, uh, but the word pneuma is the Greek word for spirit. And so we're going to be spending the next nine weeks diving into all things Holy Spirit. And it's going to be an opportunity for us to grow uh, personally, corporately. Uh, we'll talk more about that. Uh, before we jump into the message, though, just a, a couple of things of encouragement. First of all, yesterday on campus, my goodness, the ministry that happened here yesterday, Community Compass uh, was here. Uh, the uh, food pantry, as always, was open uh, <laughs> when I was on campus. That. Uh, traffic was stopped both ways on Old Freehold uh, with the cars coming in to uh, try to avail themselves of all the great ministry that happened here yesterday. Yeah, yeah. Amen. Amen. And there was, uh, you know, an army of people as always in our food pantry, but then with Community Compass and uh, Pastors Juan and Mary and the great team they have around them just uh, forging forward with that. So uh, I don't know if you remember last year we spoke about New Jersey natural gas being here and uh, it made the difference where people who had their uh, their heat shut off going into the winter were able to get their heat turned back on, you know. So, so just really meeting needs. When, when you talk about showing the love of Christ to people in our community, just incredible. And, and I don't know what made my jaw open further, the amount of need that was just so tangibly painted out before me, or the fact that this church family is just so awesome and all you're uh, sharing the, the, the love of the Lord with people around. So even Josette, uh, just want one little update of what happened. Uh, we gave away 283 coats from the clothing room, 110 packs of diapers. That was 190 families. Amen. Amen. You know, when we talk about our guiding scriptures, the great commandments, uh, the great commission, and the great compassion. I mean, you think about that's 183 coats going into the winter months being given in Jesus' name. He said, you do this to one of the least of these, you do this to me. So exciting. Amen. Amen. And then also, as Pastor Ralph announced, we're going to be over at Calvary Lighthouse tonight and in, involved in regional prayer. Uh, but as it turns out, today is also annually the National Day of Prayer for the Peace of Jerusalem. And, uh, you know, we were kind of, typically we'll have a service that's entirely focused to praying for Jerusalem. We've done that for many years. But just with this being the regional gathering and just the precious thing that happens when we, we can get together in person with the Bible body of Christ in the area, uh, and, and we've, uh, we have an ongoing focus here uh, on Israel. You know, uh, we had that great three-week period of time, and then, of course, we just continue onward. So uh, we just felt like the Lord directed, yet we can go and be a part of that. But I wanted for us to be able to this morning to join uh, with the millions of people. It's literally millions around the world that will be praying for Israel today. So if you're able to, would you stand with me, and let's just, uh, let's just pray uh, in agreement here today. And I talk about this oftentimes, uh, <laughs> the font on this one is a little bigger. I don't need my glasses. How about that? 
We talk oftentimes on the prayer call, you know, that as, as we hear a prayer being led out and then we bring our faith into agreement with that. I mean, the word of God says that, you know, tremendous power is made available. Uh, fervent are the prayers of a righteous person and that, that it's exponentially compound when there is agreement in faith. So, so let's just believe God together, knowing that as we agree together, we're agreeing with countless millions around the world this day. So our Father in heaven, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, in obedience to your word, we pray for the peace of Jerusalem and the land of Israel. Lord, bless the people of Israel with your promise of redemption. Shield them with your love and bring them renewed hope for their day of salvation. Guide Israel's leaders and advisors with the light of your truth for your namesake. Lord, we ask that you would remember your promise and bless the land with peace and its inhabitants with lasting joy. And Lord, we ask this together. We agree together, thanking you for all of the uh, agreement together, how you have in this last year brought uh, the nation of Israel and, and your desire for there to be watchmen on the wall, to pray without ceasing. Lord, we join with them in agreement together in praying this. It is in Jesus' mighty name that we pray. Amen. 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 Thank you. Go ahead and feel free to be seated. Amen. All right. So we're diving into this series on all things Holy Spirit. And this morning, uh, we, we start off just by asking and answering. And when I say answering, just preliminary starter, who is Holy Spirit? Who is the Holy Spirit? Uh, so as we get into that, I, I want to I wanna set us up how can we get the most out of this season of focus? Uh, so there's a couple of different ways. First of all, make plans to be here on Sundays and to be uh, joining together. Uh, second thing, there, there are growth groups that will all be focusing on what we talk about on these Sundays, talking about the Holy Spirit. And then with that, I want to encourage you, uh, if, if you are in a growth group, and I hope you get on board and get, get in one, uh, to avail yourself of the note sheet that we give in the bulletin each week. And here's the thing, it's not just the fill-ins. I know some folks are all about the fill-ins, some are not about the fill-ins. But you know, during the message, God's gonna speak things to your heart. He's gonna show you things. Holy Spirit is gonna give you some things to act on. Uh, jot those things down. Because what happens is then now you have, uh, when, you, when you get together for your growth group, now you can look back and you have a fresh picture of what God was speaking in the service. You know, and I know for me, have you ever found this where God is speaking something to you and then as you share it with somebody else, you get greater clarity on what God's talking to you? You know, and you're like, oh man, this is so awesome. As I'm sharing this, I'm getting more understanding. But not only does that blessing happen, but now the persons that are hearing what you're saying, they get blessed and they get encouraged by what you're saying. And then you get encouraged by what they're sharing and what they're saying. And that's the nature of these growth groups. They're uh, discussions. There's no like extra books to read or anything like that. Uh, it's just going to be discussing and dialoguing out of the services. So if you do happen to miss a service, you can jump online and catch it, you know, catch the podcast. And then the other way that you can uh, get the most out of this is just knowing Wednesday nights, uh, all of the Wednesday night uh, messages are going to be uh, tied in with the series as well. So Sundays, growth groups, and Wednesdays. And then just the last thing, if you're not a accustomed to using the sheet on the back, it always says next steps. 
So the next steps are just some ways that we can uh, take what we now know and move it into what we do. Amen? How many of you know they, they say some of the, the, the biggest gap in the world is the gap between knowing and doing? You know, so sometimes the next steps will help us along in that process. So, amen. All right, so that's how to get the most out of the series. So today we're going to uh, look at who is the Holy Spirit. And the, the goal for what we look at through these nine weeks is for us to experience personal growth in our walk with God, in the depth of our walk with God. How many know that our Christianity is not supposed to be religion? It is supposed to be relationship with the Lord. And you know, when the relationship side of it gets pulled out, we start putting in substitutes. And, and kind of the overarching substitute is religion and religiosity. And so we have an opportunity here with this series to push out anything that's become stale or dry or dusty uh, and, and just to stoke the fire of our own personal relationship and, and daily walk with the Lord. And then not only is that going to bless us uh, personally, but then that's going to bless us corporately. And the other, I'd say, main goal that we're looking at as a part of this series is that we together as a church family would become very comfortable. And I use the word comfortable in a positive way, not meaning like lazy and overly comfortable. Amen? I mean comfortable as in, uh, you know, normal Christianity is a Christianity that is bubbling over with uh, Holy Spirit moving and working in our midst where we would see that as normal Christianity, that we would hunger for that. I want to I see us together as a church family move into normalizing a supernatural faith, right? You know, I mean, we read in the book of Acts and, you know, they're outpourings of the Holy Spirit and they're prophesying and speaking in tongues and they're driving out demons and hanging out with angels and God's kingdom is advancing through them and it is a supernatural faith. And so we want it to be that as we gather together in, and in our own personal lives that we are walking out, that we are expecting what really the Lord says is a normal Christianity. See, I came from a, a a background where I experienced it was sort of dead and stale and deserty and dry. So when I first got to a spirit-filled Pentecostal church, I said, these folks are crazy. You know, but at the same time, I was drawn back and I was drawn back. And what, I, what was I drawn back to? I was drawn back to the life of God. And, and, and our faith is to be an experiential faith. We are to experience walking with the Lord. But that's why we're starting here tonight on understanding. So just who is the Holy Spirit? You know, because as we move further on into looking at some of these deeper things in the Lord, uh, some of the more supernatural things, we want to make sure that we are anchored in the truth. And all we have to do is literally go back to uh, Bible days and go back to uh, the, the ancient church and the days that followed. And, and there was all kinds of misunderstanding that, that came out of their cultural background, that came out of religiosity, uh, that came out of, uh, you, you know, uh, things from the enemy trying to get them off course. And they didn't really, they put it this way, they had to navigate through getting into a ditch and getting into a ditch on 
on who is Holy Spirit and what does it look like to walk in Pentecost? What does it look like to live as a Spirit-filled believer? And so you had some people that were claiming to do things in the Lord's name that weren't coming from the Lord. You know, and so I'm so grateful that we have in the Word of God, you know, just that, that road that we are to stay on and how to stay anchored in it. And, and even the nature of who is Holy Spirit, th- there have been places where the church has gotten off on it as they try to figure this out. Right? And, and again, that started right in the beginning because remember, you, you know, the, the Jews coming out of the old covenant were saying there is one God. And yet God is seeding all throughout the Old Testament, yes, there's one God, but he's seeding this idea that there's a trinity. And then the trinity is revealed in the New Testament, and now God's brand new church has to discern and understand, well, so what does this look like, and who is this Holy Spirit? And, and so, so with that as kind of setting the stage of where we're going for the next nine weeks and, and why we would start with just such a, a foundational topic, I want to look at then, uh, so who is the Holy Spirit? Let me just say one more thing about this. You, you know, when we look at this series and, and, and these things that we're going to get into here, whether it's things that are of the, the greatest foundation or things that are getting off into, you know, gifts of the Spirit and, you know, how the Spirit moves corporately and everything. You know, the bottom line is, how many would agree with me, we need all of God's Spirit that is available to us. Amen? You know, and, and if that's been true throughout the ages, as we have now stepped even further into these last days, it's becoming more and more critical. You know, so, so uh, I'm believing God that he is going to do deep and lasting things in our hearts through this series. Amen? Amen. So uh, today we're going to uh, wrap this up with communion together. And uh, I just want to invite you ahead of time just to prepare your heart. Um, I'd love for us to just gather together at this altar and give ourselves in this, this season into his hands. And just to believe him to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we could ask or think. Amen. All right. So, hey, I want to look at three things here uh, relating to uh, the Holy Spirit that are, are the foundation that we want to stay on as we navigate through all the wonderful working of the Holy Spirit. You ready? Amen. All right. So, number one, uh, the Holy Spirit is a person. So again, if you're following along and you're taking notes, the Holy Spirit is a person. And again, you know, if you're, if you're coming to Christ from a non-faith background, it's very possible that there's things that, from our culture that got in there. But you want to know, even if you've been in the Lord for a long time, it does us good to really go back and, and say, wait a minute, he's a person. Now, you might say, well, what do you mean by that? Well, I'll put it this way. Hey, I grew up in the 70s. I was a Star Wars nut as a kid. You know, Luke Skywalker, you know, Obi-Wan, you know, the whole thing. But here's the thing. The Holy Spirit is not the force. He's a person. Come on, can you say amen? And you might say, oh, okay, well, that's one thing. But no, isn't it everywhere in our culture? I, I know I probably as recently as this last week, if I was to comb through, you know, I, I've heard people say more times than I can count, well, I'm just throwing this out to the universe, knowing that the universe will throw this back out to me. 
You know, and these, uh, that's new agey, and there's this idea of, you know, that's sort of like that, the force picture. No, this is the third member of the Godhead Trinity, and he is a person. Now, there, there's others out there that would, you know, um, push against this, but they are not basing what they're saying on the Word of God. So we want to just pull back from the Word of God. And let me just say, you, you know, we read in the Word, the Spirit of Christ, the Spirit of God. But that's not saying, like, like in other words, you might say, oh, well, Jim, you have a joyful spirit. You're talking about an attribute of a person. Holy Spirit is not an attribute of God. He is a person of the Godhead. Right? Amen? Also, we'll see things like Holy Spirit uh, it being um, shown in symbols and pictures. As a matter of fact, that's Wednesday, Wednesday's message. Some of the uh, most commonly used pictures for Holy Spirit and, and what do they mean? What do they tell us about him? That'll be Wednesday. But we can almost see those things and lose sight of the fact that he's a person. And I'm going somewhere with this idea that he's a person as it relates to our own personal walk with God. Right, going back to it's a relationship, not religion. So, uh, so let, let's bore down on this just for a couple of minutes. John 14, verses 16 and 17. Jesus said, and I will pray the Father, and he will give you another helper, that he may abide with you forever, the spirit of truth. Now, interesting, in the Greek, this word another means uh, uh, someone else who is like the person who is doing the sending. So it's speaking of, uh, uh, you know, uh, speaking of a person here. Jesus uh, says that not only does the Father send him, but he also sends the Holy Spirit. And so he's a person like Jesus and is distinct from both the Father and Jesus. See, throughout the church ages, they were saying, well, no, it's three gods. And they were saying, no, 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 no that's not right. Well, well, it's one God, you know, kind of like shape-shifting in three different forms. That's not right either. And the Word of God paints a clear picture of this incredible mystery, this wondrous thing of the Trinity. And, and, and so we start to understand that by understanding Holy Spirit is a person. Also, uh, in this idea, we see the use of personal pronoun. Personal pronoun. So notice that Holy Spirit is a he, not an it. So John 14, 16 to 17, uh, I will pray the Father and he will give you another helper that he may abide with you forever, the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him for he dwells with you and will be in you. So, uh, so we see personal pronoun. We also see personal activities that Holy Spirit does. So in, in the personhood of, of Holy Spirit, we see things like teaching, bearing witness, interceding, searching, distributing, forbidding, evaluating, being grieved, bringing comfort and counsel, being our advocate. These are just some of the things that are described of personal activity that Holy Spirit does. And again, John 14, 17, what really makes this relationship with the Holy Spirit so, so personal and special is again, John 14, 17, but you know him for he dwells with you and will be in you. Amen. Not the force. A person. Hallelujah. 
It doesn't get more personal, does that, right? Uh, does it than that? You know, uh, I, I'm grateful to have people with me. It was interesting. I was talking with somebody at the end of first service, and, and they were trying to understand they're, they're not yet a believer. And they're like, well, I think God's been working in my life, you know. And, uh, you know, you're saying the believer has the Holy Spirit in them. So does this mean that what I thought was him working in my life is not him working because I want to believe it's him, but I'm not sure yet, you know, and I just so appreciate his honesty. And I'm like, all right, Lord, how do I clarify this? And I just kind of got this picture like, all right, well, I live in Lakehurst. I live in a house. And if, if you know, Jason was to come uh, and, and uh, knock on my door and talk to me, he's standing outside the house and he's talking to me. God will work in the life of an unbeliever. Amen. You know, so he's talking to me, but it would be different if Jason walked in with his bags and moved into my house, Right. You know, this picture of it's so personal. It's, it's, it, we read in Scripture that the demons in hell believe in Christ. They believe he is who he said he is. What makes somebody a Christian, what makes your eternity set forever is when we say yes to Jesus Christ's lordship and then Holy Spirit takes up residence in our heart. Jesus said, I stand at the door and knock. He's standing on the outside. You know, that, that's his business. When we get up every morning, the Lord's primary business is to see people come to know him as Savior. Right? And, and so he's working, knocking on the door. But when we say yes to him, he moves in and, and takes up residence in our heart. Holy Spirit's a person. He's a person of the Godhead. And of course, because the Godhead is inseparable in Holy Spirit being in our heart. The whole Trinity dwells in our heart. Right? Because it says, you know, uh, that Christ may dwell in your heart by faith. Right? But it's Holy Spirit that's taking up residence there. So this, this stuff is so cool. Everybody tracking so far? Amen? All right, so uh, again, it, it doesn't get more personal than this. 1 Corinthians 6, 19, do you not know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have received from God? You are not your own. You know, it was beautiful. I, I found myself over this weekend uh, reading, it was a book summary. I actually want to go back and read the book through, but it's, it was called uh, My Heart, Christ's Home. And the, the, the book is basically sharing this, this analogy of taking every room, uh, take our heart and comparing it to rooms in a home. And this person's interaction of making Jesus Lord of their life. And so this guy's saying, so, you know, I brought Jesus into the library and that was being compared to, you know, our, our thought life and, you, you know, uh, just intellect and that whole side of things. And he said, when I brought the Lord into the library, he's looking at books on the shelf and he's looking like, why do you have these books in your library? You know, and all of a sudden he started realizing, oh, wait a minute, Lord, this stuff shouldn't be here. Lord, will you organize my library? Will you fix this room up to be a place that you're happy to be in? And then he said he brought him into the living room and he brought him into the, the recreation room. And just this, this whole picture of him dwelling inside, we, we become the temple in which God's Holy Spirit dwells. And so the, the invitation, the opportunity we have, why is it, why is it so life-giving to have fresh revelation of this? Because then we carry around this picture. My heart, Christ's home. All of a sudden, it's like Brother Lawrence from uh, uh, many, many uh, hundreds of years ago practicing the presence of God. And, and we're going we're gonna to look in our, our study. So there is 
Holy Spirit dwelling in, and then there is the uh, tangible manifest presence of God that shows up when we worship corporately together and when we're worshiping on our own as well. Come on, can you say amen? You know, when we say, Lord, you, you're welcome here. Lord, we love your presence. Bring your presence. We're not denying that his presence is in us when we're born again because he's taken up residence. The person of the Holy Spirit is taken up residence in our heart. But then we have opportunity for him to come and do so much more in our midst as we fellowship together. So, so th this is a precious thing, knowing that uh, he is a person and he has personal attributes. But let's, let's go a little step further and acknowledge he has personality as well. Come on, how many have ever experienced Holy Spirit's personality? How many can remember the first time you realized God's got a sense of humor? And how he's dealing with you and you're like, really God? Did that really get, did you ever have where God put, like, he just lets you walk into his, like, he just tees you up for something where you're just like, look what you just did, God. And you realize he, like, disciplined you, corrected you, but he also kind of laughed at you with you. Amen? You, you know, so, so Holy Spirit has personality. Uh, Roman, uh, so he, he has a mind and he knows Romans 8, 27, and he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for God's people in accordance with the will of God. He possesses a will that's separate and distinct from the Father and from Jesus Christ and from us. 1 Corinthians 12, 11, all these are the work of one and the same Spirit and he distributes them to each one just as he determines, or in another translation, just as he wills. So he possesses emotions and can be grieved and insulted. So Ephesians 4.30, do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. And again, that's why I talk about, it says in another spot, so don't quench the Holy Spirit, right? And it's interesting in that particular spot, it's talking about when there's the giving of prophecy. You know, it's like, don't despise prophecy, be discerning. And don't quench the move of the Spirit. But we can grieve Him, and that means we can also bring joy to Him as well. There's, there's emotion that Holy Spirit feels. I, I can remember times where uh, just, <laughs> I, I can remember one time in particular, uh, flicking through uh, channels, regular TV, and there was something on, it, I'll just tell you honestly, it was something spooky. I could tell because of the music, and it was just getting more intense. And I'll just, I'll just be very, very transparent here. And, I, and I'm, I'm like, I, I should click this off, but I just don't want to. I, I, I kind of want to see what's going to happen. And then I immediately heard the Holy Spirit say, shut that off. And about 15 seconds later on that screen, something bloody and disgusting happened. You know, I'm sorry, I know we got our kids in today. I'll just say that it was something that clearly Holy Spirit didn't want to see, despite my morbid curiosity. And I immediately felt the grieving of the Spirit when that happened. So I would say to you today, part of me is saying, man, I, I'm, I'm so, so disappointed that that happened. But then there's also a side to me that says, thank God that I experienced the grieving the Holy Spirit so as to not walk that way again. Can you say amen? amen? Have you ever had that where you've had a rude response to somebody and the Lord just speaks to you and Holy Spirit is saying, I don't want you to talk that way or you just got in the flesh or whatever it is. So, so these are different ways. Holy Spirit is a person. He has emotion. Amen? amen? All right. Second thing we want to look at, the Holy Spirit is God. 
So he's a person and he's God. Uh, let's talk about two things with this. Let's talk about Trinity and then let's talk about the unity of God. So when we talk about Holy Spirit being God, we need to understand, you know, that there is this picture, as I mentioned earlier, there's the, the three different uh, distinct persons, not one person taking three forms, but it's not three separate people, but there is a trinity. And uh, it, it was seated in the Old Testament and then made very, very clear in the New Testament. You know, in this idea, how can it be three distinct separate persons, personalities, and yet how could it distinctly not be three different people? How could it be one God? And that's the mystery of the Trinity. And we could say, well, I, I don't know that I can rationally connect all those dots. Well, the Lord let us know in Scripture. And come on, how arrogant for us to say that. It, it sh it, how, how arrogant for us to say, well, in order for faith to be acceptable, I have to understand everything. That's the creation telling the creator that it's as smart as the creator. Right? But God lets us know, Isaiah 55, verses 8 and 9, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. So this idea of grasping and understanding Trinity, we can understand enough to know what God is telling us, realizing that there are things beyond our understanding that we're not going to quite get. And that that's not a cop-out, but that's, that's just, that's an absolute, it, it actually does make sense from a, from a brain thought perspective. But then when we talk about the unity of God, the Bible makes it clear there is absolutely only one God. And again, these things that we're talking about now, throughout the church age, there were uh, massive um, ditches and heresies and things that, that people got into because they didn't keep these things straight and anchor, didn't stay anchored to these things. So interesting. Let's look at two verses. Deuteronomy chapter 6 verse 4 says, hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. So everybody say one. one. All right. Then in Genesis 1, 26, let us make man in our image according to our likeness. Now, it's interesting when we look at these words, uh, the, the one word is ehad uh, and the other word is yahid. So, so each, so one word says the Lord is one, and then the other one, let us make in our image. Each of those words in Hebrew actually speak of one. The, the first one, uh, hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one God. Ehad, uh, that word is, uh, uh, as a matter of fact, let me just look at it, how I laid it out. Um, in other words, that there is absolutely one, no room for anything else, and that's the way it is. So th this, this verse, hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one God, this is read every Sabbath. This is like anchored, like my people, I want you to know there are not many gods. There is one God. Then, interesting, when we look here, let us, back in Genesis, let us make mankind in our image. I said that was the word yahid. That means, um, I'm sorry, no, 
yeah, I'm getting my word back, backward here. Yahed, absolute oneness or singleness, leaving no room for any other meaning than one alone. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one God. The let us make man in our image, that's Ehad. That is the idea of many making up one or a compound unity. So right back there in creation, let us. So when we look at this big picture of we have been created in the image of God, God is giving this, this picture of, yes, this God whose image you are made in is one, but there's a multitude facet to it. And so again, this picture gets unfolded throughout the Old Testament in, in different seed forms. It's very clear in the New Testament, Trinity, 1 John 5, 7. So there are three witnesses in heaven, the Father, the Word, and the Holy Spirit, and these three are one. Matthew 28, 19, therefore, or go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit. So there it is laid uh, clear out for us. But, you know, as we unfold in the Old Testament, you know, just, just keep in mind for the, the Old Covenant, it's being drilled down. There is one God. There is one God. There is one God. But we're hearing the Spirit of God moving. We're, we're hearing Messiah is coming. There, we're hearing this Messiah will have an everlasting kingdom. You know, now all of a sudden Messiah is starting to uh, have attributes that, that are equated with God. You know, what's going on here? And then even when we look in Isaiah, I won't unpack the whole thing, but feel free to go back and look at this. Isaiah 48 verses 12 to 16, uh, the Lord is, he's talking about the judging of nations. Uh, he's talking uh, about Messiah coming. And then, um, you know, you know as, as you go through, actually in verse 16, uh, scholars believe that, and God will do this. God will be like in Ezekiel, God is talking to a nation, and then all of a sudden he's talking to Satan. You were back in the garden in days of old, and he starts sharing these things, you know, and he'll be talking to this person, and then as he's talking, there will be a prophetic nugget given about Messiah that is to come. You know, and that's what we see in this portion of Scripture here. We see Father talking about uh, Messiah. All of a sudden, Messiah is talking, and he's talking about his spirit. So all this picture of Trinity and unity uh, being unfolded and, and sort of being hinted at in the Old Testament and then being made clear in the New Testament. All right, so Holy Spirit is a person. The Holy Spirit is God. Last point to drive this home, the Holy Spirit is fully God. So uh, let, let's, and again, I, I'm just so you know where I'm going here, I want to tie this back to the picture of, hey, and he lives in our heart. And he dwells in our heart. So when we think about the Holy Spirit being fully God, I mean, I, I had a moment at my desk yesterday. I was sitting there. I was like, Lord, I, I might just pop just thinking about this. You, you know how incredible this is. The creator of the universe has taken up residence inside us if we have made Christ Lord of our lives. That's, that's his desire that he would, he would dwell in our hearts. But the Holy Spirit is fully God. Now, now the... What that understanding will do for our personal relationship and walk is only bring more reverence and more awe and more of a pushing off of all of the things that we substitute and just in greater pursuit of him. So interesting, Acts chapter 5 verses 3 and 4. 
This is a kind of a heavy verse. Then Peter said to Ananias, how is it that Satan has so filled your heart that you've lied to the Holy Spirit and you've kept for yourself some of the money you received for the land? Didn't it belong to you before it was sold? And after it was sold, wasn't the money at your disposal? What made you think of doing such a thing? So basically what happened is Ananias and Sapphira, you know, the church is moving. Generosity is just sweeping through God's people. There's literally people selling things so that they could meet the needs of others. It's extraordinary. It's God is moving. And Ananias and Sapphira, they sell a piece of property. But instead of just saying, hey, here's what we sold it for and we're giving a portion to the church, they wanted to look spiritual in front of everybody. You know, they want to say, look how sacrificial we are because we gave it all, but they didn't give it all. You know, but, but here, here's the point I want to drive home. Uh, it says, you have lied to the Holy Spirit earlier in the verse. And then later on, it says, you've not lied just to human beings, but to God. So it's spelled out for us, Holy Spirit, you lie to Holy Spirit, you're lying to God. Now, also, uh, when we look at what are the attributes of God, what makes God God, uh, the, the three biggest ones that we look at, we see Holy Spirit given all those attributes as well. So omnipresence, that's being everywhere all at once. So Psalm 139 verse 7, where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? So uh, omnipresence. And then omnipotence, that's being all-powerful. Zechariah 4, 6. So he said to me, this is the word of the Lord to Zerubbabel, all this stuff that he was talking about. It's not going to be by human might or power, but it's by my spirit. In other words, it's by the power, the unlimited power of my spirit, God is saying. And then there's omniscience, which is all-knowing. 1 Corinthians 2, 10 and 11. For there are things God has revealed to us by his spirit. The spirit searches all things, even the deep things of God. For who knows a person's thoughts except their own spirit within them? In the same way, no one knows the thoughts of God except the spirit of God. All right, so let's bring this in for a landing here on uh, just one last thought with this. So we're, we looked at, you know, the Holy Spirit is a person. Uh, we looked at the, the Holy Spirit is God, Trinity versus the unity of God there together. Then we acknowledge, and he is fully God. He is co-equal, co-eternal. Uh, but let's now talk about how the Trinity of our, of, of our God, how it operates together. So let's talk finally, if you're filling in the notes, the cooperation of the Godhead. So the Father, the Father planned our redemption and sent his Son, Jesus Christ, to accomplish it. John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. Jesus Christ obeyed and accomplished the Father's plan of redemption through his death upon the cross and his resurrection from the dead three days later. Jesus says, John 6, 38, for I have come down from heaven, not to do my will, but to do the will of him who sent me. So now let, let's pull this all in together on this introduction here. Listen carefully. The Holy Spirit was sent by both the Father and the Son to maintain, to bring to completion, and to forever seal what the Father planned and Jesus accomplished. Can you say amen? Should I say that one more time? The Holy Spirit was sent by both the Father and the Son to maintain, to bring to completion, and to forever seal what the Father planned and what Jesus accomplished. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah.
And so, so you know, oftentimes, you know, Holy Spirit can almost be the neglected member of the Trinity. You know, we can, we, we sing a lot of times the worship is, you know, to God speaking about Father God. You know, uh, we, we worship Christ. We lift up Christ, Christ-centered. And, and we have to realize that with that, though, we, we need to not neglect that it is Holy Spirit that's here, that's enforcing, that it's in cooperation with him that we're going to be a part of God doing everything he wants to do in us, everything he wants to do through us, personally, and then corporately together. Can you say Amen. So, hey, as the world gets more and more confused, so good for us to go back and just be reminded, you know, this is like Apostles' Creed stuff, you know, just, just foundational things. But you know what? If we live with these things on the lens through which we see life, you know, let's go back to that picture. My goodness, Corinthians tells me that I'm a temple of the Holy Spirit. And I go back and I study the temple, the tabernacle. You know, in that holy of holies where the Ark of the Covenant was. Just how holy and magnificent and, and altogether awesome and, and beyond God is. And, and then that temple ripped in two when Jesus died on the cross. Because the Holy Spirit no longer dwells in the temple made by human hands. But now he dwells inside us. My heart... God's home. What, what, a, what a picture to have, to never forget it's a relationship, not a religion. If we lose relationship, then we're going to forfeit for so many other things. But if we remember it's relationship and we stay anchored in the word of God, uh, we'll stay on track. And then as Holy Spirit pours out in these days, we'll be able to steward everything that God wants to do. Can you say amen? Is anybody feeling the hunger that I am feeling this morning? Ah, oh, glory to God. Well, hey, I want to invite you as we close here, would you stand to your feet with me? And, and again, if, if you, you, you can make an altar in your chair if need be, but I just want to invite you if you can, why don't you step out of your seat and, and join me uh, at the altar here and let's, let's kind of gather up and take communion together. If you didn't get communion, maybe just raise your hand and keep it up until an usher finds you to make sure that you have it. And, and as we're meeting together and as we're gathering together, you, you know, it could be that there's somebody that's here or, or somebody that's watching online, somebody that's listening, and you're saying, all right, how do I know that my heart is God's home? You, you know, and, and the starting point the starting point is to say, first, I believe that Jesus is who he said he is. I believe that Jesus died on the cross for me and rose from the dead. So we got to believe that first. But then we confess him as Lord of our own life. We, we don't just acknowledge that that's true. We say, and now, because you are Lord over all the world, I say, be my Lord. Come into my heart. Be Lord over my life. And that's when the miracle happens. The word of God says that we're made a brand new creature. A brand new creation in Christ Jesus. And that's when God takes up residence. Jesus says, I, I stand at the door and knock. But we have to open the door for him to come in. I mean, and that's true in salvation. 
But that's also true in our cooperating with the will of God. So as I shared that story about my heart, Christ's home, I believe that God was speaking to some of us here today. Lord, I don't know that I've been paying attention a whole lot to the fact that you're dwelling on the inside. One, one thing that, that, that caught me in the, in the conversation about this book, you know, was what if we spend a 24-hour day saying, Lord, I do this to your glory. Lord, I do this to your glory. I remember a guy who was smoking cigarettes, the way he quit cigarettes is he started saying, Lord, I smoke this cigarette to your glory. Because he was going to determine that he was going to, everything in his life, he was going to lift to the glory of God. How long was he able to keep doing that, man? You know, he just put him down and put him down and, and got to the other side of it, you know. So, so what a powerful thought here. The Holy Spirit is a person, third member of the Trinity. And, and what, what a potential adventure we're going to be on here. And I, please hear me very clearly. I'm not looking in any way to hype us. You know, because... We want and need the, the gifts of the Spirit and, and the moving of the miracles. But we're starting here because, you know, the Corinthians had that. But they weren't saying, my heart, your home, search me, know me, see if there be any wicked way in me, clean me out. May the words of my mouth, the meditations of my heart, let them be pleasing to you, O God. Right, so the Corinthians had all this great stuff going on, and, and Paul's like, yeah, and you're, you're doing this horrendous sin. You know, so here's the thing. We can, at least for a season anyway, it'll get off track, but you can have a season of a move, but if we don't pursue a personal, devoted walk with God, we won't be able to sustain it, personally or corporately. Amen? So that's why we start here, and, and it be, becomes a lifestyle. And you know what's so sweet in, in the working? So we say, Lord, come work and move. Uh, I don't know how it's been for you. There's been times where the Lord's discipline has been uh, a little bit of a butt kicking. But in the day-to-day, -day, it's been the sweet guidance of a father, of a good father. So I, I want us to, as we prepare to take communion here today, you know, man, if we're not hitting the bullseye, what is communion all about? It's, it's us together as church family enjoying the communion that we now have because of what Jesus did for us. And in this communion, Holy Spirit moves in our midst. So I'm just going to pray a simple prayer to lead out, but then let's, let's just pause for a minute. And I felt like the Lord was saying, make this a time of consecration. Whatever it looks like for each of us, this next nine weeks, in whatever way that we can participate in what we're doing together as a church, but just in our own life, a, a period of consecration to really say, Lord, I want to practice your presence like never before. I want to live aware. What, what you said is reality for me. I want to live as that temple, being led by my good Father who loves me. You know, and, and I say in that, that's that precious leading of our Holy Spirit. So Jesus, we just thank you so much. Lord, as we hold the cup, actually before I do this, I spoke earlier, if there's anybody here who doesn't yet know Jesus as Lord and Savior, and you're saying, yeah, I got to do this now, I want to make him Lord, it's just as simple as saying, Jesus, I confess you as Lord and Savior of my life. 
I know I need forgiveness from sin. Please forgive me of my sin. Wash it away. Be my Lord and Savior. I believe you died on the cross and you rose from the dead for me, for my sin, for the sin of the world. And so I, I receive that gift. I call you Lord and Savior. Amen. Amen. And now, Jesus, as we look at the cup and the, the bread, we realize that this is symbol, this is picture, that your blood was shed for us and your body was broken so that our sin could be washed away. And so all that would enslave and bind us would be broken off of our lives. And so as we partake of this, we know this means that we fellowship with you. And we recognize in this Holy Spirit that you are desiring to work and move and lead. And so we say, God, have your way in us. Conse we, we consecrate ourselves to you and we say we do it personally. Bring us deeper. Lead us, guide us. And then we ask together corporately, Lord, we do want to live as a spirit-filled church family. We want you, we want all of you. And we say, Lord, we're so grateful that all you've done in these, these many years, and even in this recent season where we've just been reminded and exhorted that you're, you're aligning us and you're getting us in, in step with you. And we say, Holy Spirit, just continue to do that so we are completely, thoroughly, entirely in step with you. And so we commit ourselves into your hands in all these things. It is in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Let's partake. Amen. Amen. And so, Lord, as we leave this place, we give this next season to you. Lord, we pray for all of the Sundays, all of the Wednesdays. We pray for the growth groups, for every conversation. Lord, we, we pray uh, once again that you would do lasting, eternal things in us through this time. We give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen.